Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. All right, my show, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, has hit 1 million podcast downloads because of you. This is huge. That means we're in the top 5% of all podcasts among listeners. I want to thank you for listening to the show and supporting what we do. Iron sharpens iron. On this show, we dive into the most pressing news of our time. It's not easy, but it's necessary. Providing insightful commentary and a heavy dose of fact-based truth. We cover criminal justice, politics, social justice, policy, and how racism affects us all. Find Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you are subscribed to our show so you don't miss an episode and don't forget to rate us with five stars. Now that we've reached one million podcast downloads, let's get our show to number one in the podcast charts. Hey, listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. 
If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Osiris. Hello and welcome to the Helping Friendly Podcast, where we are recovering, recuperating, trying to put our head back on straight after that absolutely insane second night at Bethel. Something about Saturday nights at Bethel, you know what I mean? Something about it. I think I'm getting the idea. You think you're feeling it. There's something yeah. in the air. There's something in the soil. There's something in the the water table. <laughs> I mean, this is... We got a shout out from my brother. Currently driving to Hartford and very excited to hear this review. We're very excited to bring this review to you, Kevin. We're very excited. We are... Jonathan is so excited. He is fanning himself in postcards oh, right now. I may swoon. It is... You may swoon. I I swooned, I don't know, three or four times last night. I took my dogs for a walk this morning and I swooned again. This was such a show. I cannot wait to dive into it. We are going to be joined here shortly by Devin Rogerino, who can be found on Twitter at Devin Rogerino. Uh, We are going to be talking through the show last night. Devin saw a bunch of shows to kick off this tour. He's been to a bunch um, uh, in the first week of tour. So he has some really good on the ground perspective in terms of what happened both last night and like where that fits into the larger tour. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff today. It's going to be a packed show. There's so much to get into. I, I, I'm sleepy, Brian. I, I did the uh, Wook Plus post show last night and um, I was up. Way past my bedtime. So, how did that show go for you? It was great. It was fun. Uh, Andy Michaels from Jamp Radio was on too, and uh, and we had a good time. Uh, I could have probably talked for hours about the show just yeah. right then last night. So, hopefully, I have the energy to do that today because there's still lots to say. There's still lots to say. I was, I was. I had it all planned out. I was going to sit there and soak in the uh, after fish show, after show with you. I was going to watch it from my couch. My daughter, who is an incredible sleeper, decided last night, for whatever reason, midway through the second set to wake up and hang out with us. And so she was out with us post-show watching Peter Pan, which when was the last time you watched the animated version of Peter Pan? Probably more recently than you'd guess. Um (laughs) I, I couldn't tell you, but it's it's been a little bit, but not not super long time. Yeah, I don't really think it's culturally appropriate. There was a lot in there where I was like, "Wow, you just cannot make this in 2022." They have a disclaimer before you watch it. Still a really mm-hmm. fun movie, and she was super into it. Uh, she was just like standing in front of me on the floor at like 10:15 at night, just like pointing up at the screen whenever the kids would fly and. 
It's like this is this is what happens. So I, I couldn't I couldn't do any more <laughs> post fish show fish content. But uh, we should tell you all Thanks. about Wook Plus. I know our good buddies. They have excellent, excellent content that we encourage all of you to be checking out. The lot is pre-show on Wednesdays throughout tour. Um, they'll be interviewing guests, interviewing fans, hanging out before the band takes the stage, as well as the after fish show after show, which is just an excellent name for a podcast version of all of this hang with fish. The after fish show after show, which is live 15 minutes post-show Great people like Jonathan Harder on it. I think I'm going to be on it. I'm pretty sure I'm on it next weekend uh, for the Merryweather shows, which I'm really excited about. But you can watch that on Twitter at Wook Plus as well as on YouTube if you search Wook Plus. Um, Lots to get into, like we said here. We want to tell you a bit about a few of our friends and sponsors. We do, however, have a very special announcement to make. At Field 319, you've won a pavilion ticket to Fish's Hartford show tonight. You entered the contest, gave a great review. You were selected at random. We will be in touch with you here today for ticket transfer information. But if you're hanging out watching the show right now, if you're listening, whatever it may be, you have won a ticket. We will get in touch with you here today to transfer that ticket for you. Enjoy the show tonight. Sunday Night Fish in Hartford. I think it's going to be special. I mean, it's almost like they're playing quite well. Um, congratulations, Field 319. Congrats. Congratulations. And we should give a big shout out right here for, he's not producing the show, but he might as well be. Jordan Sheldon says, if you're tired, I hear that you should try some Passion House <laughs> coffee. And that is some fantastic fanfare right there because our sponsor for today's podcast is passion house coffee jonathan would you like to tell us a bit about passion house would i here at osiris we are powered by a few things music of course but also coffee and uh we're always drinking passion house now we have our very own blend ocean of osiris uh please visit passionhousecoffee.com to get some of this and some of their other coffee today uh, you could use the code OSIRIS, O-S-I-R-I-S, that's easy, right, uh, for free shipping for on every order. And free shipping is a big deal if you're ordering, you know, like the big bag. Like I get five pounds of beans at a shot, and that's um, that's worth that's worth a little, little code. So use that. We have a contest running right now, in fact, all summer long. For each fish show, we'll be giving away bags of Ocean of Osiris coffee every time fish plays an ocean song. Uh, Every time you hear an ocean song, tag at Osiris Pod and at Passion House Coffee on Twitter and use the hashtag Ocean of Osiris. We select two winners at random each night if they play ocean songs. And do we have winners today, Brian? We have a winner today. We have a winner. winner. At Mr. Undermind was correct in selecting Prince Caspian, which was played like three times last night, two times, some <laughs> some amount of times. Everything everything felt like it was played like four times last night. But Caspian Mr. Undermind fest last night. Caspian Crossside Fest. It was quite quite a fest. Um, so yeah, congratulations to at Mr. Undermind. We will get in touch with you to get your coffee shipped out to you. And we should mention we had a grand prize winner yesterday. 
who won based off of the Gula Papyrus that was played, which which quotes the coffee that we have with Passion House, Ocean of Osiris. So we have a new grand prize song. If they play Sea and Sand, one of Jonathan Hart's most chaste and beloved covers that the band has ever played. If they play that, and you guess it correctly, you you hit us up first. You will have coffee over Zoom with RJ and Tom, plus some Passion House, which is awesome. Awesome stuff. We love Passion House. We're very, very excited to partner with them. Um, three more very, very quick bits of business before we get to the show here. We keep telling you about this, but you know, there's a good reason we're telling you about it. We have three live events coming up here before we close out this upcoming summer. The first we want to tell you about fish. They're going to be on the beach here pretty soon. Talking about ocean songs, talking about the ocean of Osiris. You know it's coming August 5th, 6th, and 7th. Get your tickets today for the Atlantic City shows by going to osirispod.com slash AC. And while you're there, we are going to be hanging out at the Anchor Rock Club from 2 to 4 p.m. on Saturday, August 6th with John Barber playing an acoustic set as well as Sunday, August 7th for an auction benefiting the Waterwheel Foundation. We want to thank Tonewood Brewing, our sponsor for these events. They are an amazing brewery on the East Coast that we've been working with, both for our Ardmore event as well as here for AC. Um, Sunday's auction will feature fish vinyl, posters, shirts, as well as other hard-to-find memorabilia. So join us for both of these events. Tickets are free, but you got to reserve your spot, osirispod.com slash osiris live and while you're there say to yourself hey i'm going to alpine i want to see another concert in alpine i want to see another concert in milwaukee while i'm there get some tickets for osiris live at the cooperage in milwaukee wisconsin on thursday august 11th we'll be doing an interview as well as hearing a set of music from mr riley walker one of my favorite musicians around really really excited for him to return to the land of cows and cheese curds and um you know you cross the border and you're just like it's it's wisconsin is one universe illinois is another universe and riley's going to be there to balance it all out get your tickets for that at osirispod.com slash osiris live the cooperage is killer they're an awesome venue and they do um uh they do bus routes from the Cooperage or shuttles from the Cooperage to uh, Alpine Valley to and from for fish shows. So great place to hang, get familiarized with if you're looking to get in and out of the city for that run. And then finally, 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 Osiris Live will be closing out the summer on Wednesday, August 31st at the Larimer Lounge here in Denver, Colorado. Jonathan and I, the two dudes you see on the screen, you've tuned in, you're hanging out, come and see us live in person. Say hey. And listen to us interview the dudes from Taper's Choice. I would do it if I wasn't myself and already on stage. I think you yeah, would do I, it I, too. I would go to that if I were in town for the fish concerts or otherwise in town. I would go. Or otherwise in town. I would do that. Yeah. Um, Taper's all of these events. Great. Taper's Choice, man. They rule. We're going to see if we pass the Dave test. It's either a yes or they don't give us an answer. And we need to figure out if we pass the Dave test. I find um, it's easier not to ask. It's easier not to ask. <laughs> I'm really excited for that though. So you can get tickets for all of these events here uh, at osirispod.com slash Osiris live. Should we get to the show from last night? Yes. Let's I think do. We're ready for the show. 
And it looks like we have late breaking news. We've got Henry Schwab, who's going to be joining us as well, who was with us last weekend uh, for a review of, I think, the Banger Show, possibly. So it's going to be awesome to hear from him. So let's welcome in Devin Rogerino. How are you doing, man? Hey, now. How are you doing? Howdy. Good, buddy. How are you? Good, good, good. Thanks for having me, y'all. Thank you for joining the show, man. We really appreciate this. Absolutely. And we're going to bring on Henry Schwab here as well. Henry, what's going on, man? How you guys doing? I'm in uh, Middletown, New York, on my way to Hartford in a cemetery. So uh, <laughs> feeling feeling the vibes. Very, right very on. vibey for last night. I love that. How's it going, dude? How uh, How's your tour been? Uh, it, it's a monster, monster tour, classic summer. Kids are fired up. Northeast last night. I mean, I was a little overwhelmed, you know, coming out of COVID and seeing all these Vermont family people that I haven't seen in 30 years that would do tours. The tour would end always with fish in the Northeast. People would start moving there, living there, having families, getting divorced, having grandkids, and then seeing those people now at the shows that I haven't seen in a long time. I mean, the energy was palpable. You could feel like that old school Northeast throwdown ready to go. Oh, man. I love that. That is... That's kind of what I've always thought about this. This, you know, they've only played now five total shows at Bethel, but that's always the vibe I've gotten listening to it on tape. There seems to be something else there. Um, Devin, you have seen a bunch of shows thus far on the tour. Tell me what your experience has been like on the tour and kind of your experience as a whole as a fish fan to this point. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, in this little run, I'd started in uh, Mansfield night two. And then I went uh, up to Banger, right? And then we went over to Philly, caught those two nights. And then I just, you know, we just completed Bethel here. Uh, but <clears throat> I don't know where to begin. I mean, I guess, you know, start at the beginning. My first show was June 28, 2000, right? So that was when I jumped in. I think I was about 16 at PNC Bank. So my, fist, my sister had given me a fish CD and I, you know, late nineties, they're just getting into the band. A lot of people in my area were, were getting into fish. I had seen like Jim blossoms and then almond brothers at PNC bank. And then it was like a couple weeks later, like maybe a month later, I saw fish and it was just Good progression. Incredible. Like you could just like, so instantaneously you could tell that there was something else happening. Right. Like, so I, and I, it was like an AB test where I had a couple other shows and then I caught fish the way the crowd was dialed in the way everyone was engaged, the way people lit up during that gin. It was just like, it was clear. I was just hooked, you know, I was just hooked. And then all yeah. these years later, like here, I still am, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's just, you know, the whole thing's been a wonderful ride. And, and these last couple of days have just been beautiful. Like really, very grateful, you know. I yeah, love so it. you were telling us that you went to the Man and Bangor. What what, what shows yeah. have you seen? Yeah, so I you know I think like set two. So I did Mansfield night two, and then I went up to Bangor. I feel like it was like set two at Mansfield. They really locked in. Yeah, and, and then it started this climb where we got to Bangor, and it was really rocking. And then by the time we get to man night one, it was just the full peak. It, it was We just took off the cliff. I mean, it was so exciting. And then I would say that the word for me for the, for man night two was just like gratitude and like love. Like that's what was pouring out of the room that night yeah. two at the man was just like this big love fest. And then these last two nights, I like 
the vibe I would call it it's for at risk of being corny, I would call it like fellowship. It mm. felt like like very much like familial camaraderie, like these last two nights at Bethel. That's well, well let's I love that because let's let's get into that because our first segment to cover the show here is the vibe of the show. And this is sponsored by our very good friends at section 119. They are the premier apparel brand where many fans shop to represent their favorite band in everyday life. There are sophisticated designs and epic quality. Section 119 offers donut-inspired button-down shirts, board shorts, dry-fit polos, and hoodies, among many more awesome clothing types. You can use code on the screen, SUMMER22, for 20% off a discount on your next purchase. You're absolutely going to love your new gear. And once again, that's 20% off your next order with code summer 2020 summer 22, excuse me. Um, so on that point, the vibe, both of you have talked about just like initially without us even asking this kind of like old school family type of vibe that you're feeling at Bethel. Um, Henry, starting with you really quick, like there's obviously a ton of history to this venue, even though the band has only played it five times. What was it like for you pulling up to the the venue, walking in? Like, what was the vibe for this overall show for you? Yeah, I mean, we had a little buildup for it because I actually have the uh, Section White 19 Grateful Dead board shorts. And we oh, went swimming. We went swimming right before the day, the, the opening show. So Thursday, we got up there early. We have the Airbnb. We got the great crew. We got the great food in there. We have the the ferns, the moss, the hammock and back classic upstate New York with the dares going by. And we went swimming uh, Lake Superior, which is just like four minutes from the venue. It's like the secret cutoff. So you don't have to be stuck. And it was a beautiful place. But then the next day we went to the Delaware river to the Pennsylvania, New York border. And it mm. was currents in the river and a bald Eagle went flying right by. So that like main continuation that was happening. And then we went to this little spot, like New York, classic flat rocks, more Creek, more cold, moss waterfalls so we were set up for the show and set up to go into bethel we got there early shakedown was going off the vegan booth was great i'm doing my activism this store putting the world system solution stickers out there talking to each vendor people i've seen for like 30 years people are thanking me for the work i've done in the past and the work i do with fish inc and the poster community that i run on facebook and instagram and i'd never been to bethel and that was going to be the highlight of my summer doing the swimming because in California we only have the ocean. We don't have creeks and rivers. So I was so sure. excited. Did the shakedown, which was monster. They let people camp overnight. So the vibes were really good. The environmentalism was happening. Walk up, you see the Woodstock, the museum, you know, the river running through the place, the hill, the cleanness. You see people that you know, just like on fish tour where people would end up in Vermont after a tour, people that stayed at Woodstock and had a house and then their kids are there. Mm -hmm. And I have friends there that have pizza places and you see the generation and that feeling is deep between the Woodstock people and the fish people all coming together. And of course they don't have free water for you. So you're like, this is the coolest place, but yet there's still 20 years behind the West and <laughs> we're all super, super thirsty. And we're like, uh Oh, here we go. We're spinning out. And we came from the man, which has the smallest pit, and it's the hardest ticket on the whole summer. And it's only six yeah. rows deep. And people are so excited. Where now Bethel has no pit. No pit. The only yeah. place without one. So like the energies were just shifting all over the place. No one knew what to expect. Everyone was in a different spot than they normally were. And then the show takes off. 
and you guys can start with that. But that was the energy that was building up going into it. That's kind of behind that people don't see. That's that I, sets I, the tone perfectly. I love that. I think it's so weirdly ironic that you are here. You are at Woodstock, and they don't have they're charging for water. They don't have free water. <laughs> Come on, man. Or have, we're dying. Nobody learned. We we're so thirsty, and like six hundred thousand people. I understand, <laughs> first time ever. But now the fish is coming to town. You can't bring Nalgens in. They have no water right. stations. And wow. they just had them in uh, this facility in Maine, and they just had it at the Man. So yeah. we're so we're so thirsty. <laughs> we're like trying to find water, and mm. it's such a beautiful place with a river running through it. And then, of course, we're thrown off with no pit. I know it's a smaller group that's there, but it's the only show. It's I can't remember the last time they didn't have. I was a looking pit where there's just seats. There was a shot on the webcast that like kind of blew me away when they, they it's that panning shot that goes by Mike's rig and it shows the front of you know the crowd and you usually see that pit with everybody up on the rail and here it's just like rows of people and you've got like a railing that goes up to your waist and then a gap until the stage and the stage looks very low. It's a it's a right. unique setup. I can't even imagine what it's gotta be like to be in the front rows because you can just see all their gear you can see over, but, um, Devin, tell me what, what was, sorry, go on, go ahead. No, Devin, please. Oh yeah. man. so like, it is, it is funny how like that pit and like the setup really kind of, it just, you know, dictates a certain feeling. So I was lucky enough with this new setup, how they're doing like this lottery for the rail. When I was up in banger, I got lucky enough to get the rail. And the last, the last time I was real was, um, uh, PNC Bank 2011. Wow. So it had been over 10 years since I had been front row. And that last time I was front row in 2011, it was the same setup like Bethel, where it was just seats all the way to the front. So I don't know if they've changed that to PNC since. But, yeah, I did notice that looking at the iMag, like the video screen from the lawn, because I was on the lawn last night. Yeah, you, it, like the camera, you could see. Like, you know, the, the stage was pretty low and it, it looked yeah. like the crowd integration with the band looked kind of more melded. Yes. Because there wasn't that pit, big, monstrous metal rail situation thing going but on. But you I thought could that also was interesting. fully see the guy in front and center who was just standing during the jam. So I, like, <laughs> I, I called him out to Brian on our yeah. sex. I was like, yeah. come on, man. <laughs> Little public service announcement, folks. If you're front row, you got to get involved. You got to get down. <laughs> you got to pick it up. <laughs> so I was uh, second row, Mike side aisle, you know, right in front of Mike for the first night. And then second night, I was about third or fourth row. I didn't really have a ticket for that section, but I went back to where I was because it was just so powerful. Most of the rail kids went over to page side. So it was nice to be like a little bit mellower. And the security over there at the second set let me actually be in charge. And that has never been something I've ever had in my life before, where the set was ending. <laughs> security came up to me. They said, we're not coming back. You're in charge. Keep this aisle clear. <laughs> uh, they didn't even say that. They just said, you're no. in charge. So it was like, whatever you want. I make do. the rules. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay. They really liked my action the first set. So the second night happened again. And they didn't have to tell me. I knew it was going to go down. So I had like a lot of friends ready to go, like some of the best dancers in the community. And we were all ready to rage. And like each person on the aisle in that section, somehow I knew from my years over 
working with the band or just being in the crowd or just doing water wheel or Greenpeace or being in the vending lot. That was this little community and family ready to go. And we were so excited and the spot was so close and we kind of made our own little pit over there. And then like nice. they bust into the, to the evening song and we were just, we just went off. One, one more thing while we're on yeah, the topic, yeah. while we're on the topic of the pit, one more public service announcement. Don't be a person that makes somebody else self like self-conscious of their space when they're dancing. You know, yes. take take a note from Trey. There's space for everyone on the soul planet, my friend. When you're in the pit, if somebody's really getting down, give them some room. Like be, let him, let him be, a, be a citizen. It'll come back to you. <laughs> It'll come back. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um no, it's a good these are all good points. And this the, the vibe up there feels ideal. It feels kind of like at least from afar, like a festival type of setting within a venue and it has that like there's the history there there's the laid-back nature of being up in that part of new york let's dive into this set here because there's a lot of music to talk about set one uh we begin with evening song turtle in the clouds vultures my sweet one undermine which goes into fast enough for you divided sky Susie greenberg which then fades into ghost to close out the set we start with a warning a premonition approach tonight with caution as uh as jonathan texted me when the song started i love evening song and i find it like it just sets the night the, the, the night off in just such a mellow uh really pretty type of manner but then the lyrics kind of give you this like ominous sense of okay what is actually coming here um henry what was your big highlight of set one and what were your impressions of the set overall Right. So like walking into the venue, um, I heard about the museum that they have there, the Woodstock Museum. So I actually ducked down there really quick and used the bathroom. And we had this incredible guy who was security and lectured us about the history of vending and selling there during Woodstock and how they're actually mm. archaeologists. And he gave us this incredible rap and they figured it out through like rock formations, photos, like collecting stuff over the last 30 years. I felt like I was like in Jerusalem, where they kept on digging deeper and finding new things. And it was so spiritual and so cool. And it brought that energy up for me to learn that kind of stuff. And just looking up at like when the Grateful Dead and when Crosby, Sills and Nash played, how they had these two to four o'clock in the morning set list times with these monster yeah. sets. And it's just like, we were just blown away. And it was a five minute talk. And I put it up on my Instagram page, his speech of explaining it, but we were primed and ready to go. And I totally agree with you that set started like slow. And it was pretty and it was nice, but we definitely felt like the shadow energy coming in. And um, yeah, so it, it had that slow vibe to start. Things were building, but it, for me, it just started a little slow. And, you know, turtles, we obviously love vultures. We love, but it was just like a little bit of a darker, slower energy until my sweet one undermine and undermine of course was great. And the whole set's great, but it was like a classic undermine. Nothing was like, overwhelming for me at that point and then it went into the pretty fast enough to you divided sky and Susie greenberg which was jamming and that first set was just kind of like classic and good and deep and dark and solid but compared to the rest of the tour i didn't think it was like overwhelming and the best set of the tour or anything i think it was just really solid and really good and we we're really psyched to be there but i was kind of having the anticipation that that second set would have be just a monster 
It's an interesting thing structurally. I find sometimes they'll come out and you'll have this just overwhelming amount of energy in set one and it will almost be too much and the second set will then flip and be a little bit more mellow. But then other nights will be similar to this where the first set starts out a little bit more mellow. They're not in your face yet. There's not a ton of initial surprises. You get midway through set one though and something happens and something that happened last night was the undermine jam went into its this type two space for the first time since Dick's 2012. They they kind of go into like a minor key and it's about five or six minutes of really pretty, really interesting jamming before going into fast enough for you. Devin, what were your impressions of the first set and what was your big highlight? It's funny because yeah, I was gonna say right, I feel like undermine is where it like locked in. That's where it locked in. But getting back to the beginning evening song, I really I really like that song. I'm glad that it's back. And I think it's it's a it's apropos being that like what we're five days into this. You know, people are really digging in the tour. You know, it's it's a it's it's a good reminder from the maestro that you know, you know, folks, take it easy. Take it <laughs> easy. Like let, let's not let's not go too far. Yeah. Have your fun, but watch out, folks, because it can take you. So I mean, I really I thought it was great. And then yeah, right. But like then the set kept going. Undermine for me, right? I see it's, it's. I always like I can't tell sometimes when it goes type two, type one, what have you. But for me, my note was just like I, I don't usually take notes during shows, but I did last night. For me, the note I took was right here in undermine was when it clicked. Like I felt them lock in. I felt the shift gears into what becomes the rest of the show. So that's I would say that was. That's my first highlight, but then Divided Sky, man. So, was there a <laughs> double vocal jam during Divided Sky? Like, I didn't know what was going on. I remember vocal jams always, and then it seemed like they stopped, did something, and then it seemed like they went back into it. You guys probably know more than me. My eyes are closed. I'm spinning. I'm spaced out. I'm I'm not as technical as a Scott Marks. Like after the shows, I ask I ask him to send me a set list from Biz Archive, and then I ask him like prep me to get ready for the show so of course he said <laughs> undermine and ghost are the winners make sure you mention that but we all see it differently but divided <laughs> sky i remember it was just like did they go back into it like what was happening i hear them go back in but it was it was just very crisp it was very yeah. beautiful and it was like such a well-placed version because like you could tell I'm, you guys can tell me better being there but like on the webcast was right around the time it had just gotten dark enough that it was starting to like make that turn from first set towards the second set, but you could still see some lingering light. It just looked like a beautiful time of night to play divided sky. Yeah. And then, I mean, Trey's tone, like Jesus, Jesus, like Trey's tone is like, it's, I've got this one buddy, like he's, he's friends with all my friends that we go to these shows with. He grew up in this musical family, but he's not into fish. He doesn't come with us to the shows. But he always cops to the fact that Trey has the best tone in all of rock and roll. And and last night, that divided sky toward the end, the, the, the clarity and the the siren call of that those notes, it's so clear. It's so crisp. Like go back and play it back. It's it's just it's just delicious. Like it's just yeah. so good. And and the set the set ends so solidly. I mean, the divided sky. Susie Greenberg was the classic rocker. And we've all been hearing Trey talk about Susie Greenberg recently. I mean, for me, there were the rumors that like it was Fishman's girlfriend when we were younger. And like, who is this person, this mythical figure? And then recently Trey said like, uh, I mean, due to life contacted me and um, said that he wanted to sell her art at one point recently. And like, 
her, the whole art side of her came in and then Trey made the comments. Like it was her first show. Like, is everyone just messing with me? Is this another Trey? Like, no, it was her first show was at, was at MSG night two. She had never, she had never seen fish. She was, uh, due to life was in love with her, um, in, in college (laughs) and was chasing after her and, uh, wrote the lyrics and they coined us. I mean, I can't really imagine what it would be like to walk into Madison square garden, have (laughs) nothing to do with a band. But like they've played, this is like what the third or fourth most played fish song ever. And everyone around you is yelling your name <laughs> about like, you know, a guy that you just decided, you, you know, we, we all had, we all dated people in college and then we're like, okay, you are not the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. And you just move on. But like your story is like planted in fish's uh, history. So, I also think. So funny. I was just noticing this looking at the set list. It's really interesting to me. They open up with two relatively new songs, Evening Song, Turtle in the Clouds. Vultures is kind of this rare missing link within the story of the ghost era. My Sweet One is, you know, slightly rare in this in this era. Undermine is another song that like we get kind of new uh like a new step into jamming at Dick's 2012. But then it ends with these three songs two of which are like old, old standbys, Divided Sky, Susie Greenberg, like some of the most played fish songs ever. And then Ghost, one of the, a new song in 97, 25 years ago, but like a song that uh, kind of represented this shift in the band's career and, and, and is always there no matter the era. There's just a lot of like interesting set list placement here in terms of where they're putting new songs, where they're putting old songs and where they're kind of making musical messages. Um, Jonathan, what was your big... Go, on. go ahead. No, Jonathan, go on. What was your big uh, idea, Jonathan? I'm torn. So the Undermine Jam is terrific. I really like it. It's good. What the whole thing is about, uh, I don't know, math numbers. So 14 minutes or something. About the same length as Divided Sky. Uh, but really, I think it's Ghost. You know, they, they finished Susie Greenberg. Trey hits a chord. You're, nobody else is playing. My mind immediately goes Ghost Santos, Ghost Santos, yeah. and and then he yeah. plays Ghost, uh, and God bless him for it. Like Santos would have fit and been fine as a set closer, would have been rocking big for a set closer, but this Ghost is is killer and it's hot, it's super hot, like high energy, perfect set one closer, hot, uh, not deep weird, not swampy funky, but just high energy up kind of ghost and I'm, everything felt sped up it just that whole set and some of the later stuff if we can talk about twist later it just got oh, sped up I, I i don't know like what was happening but i totally agree with you ghost by far was my like monster song and there were some great things you know fast enough for you is an old song you don't hear that much and it's always just it's beautiful. reminds me of the old days and it's beautiful and i agree with you like everything you said totally makes sense with ghost being that great highlight and but everything to me just had a little bit it was like slow methodical and then everything all of a sudden started speeding up it didn't have that like wandering thing. It just had like, okay, let's get the show on the road. And that brought you into the second set set because they started picking up. Yeah. I, I want to shout out uh, one of our guests from yesterday, Jen Moore at Rogeni, who uh, we, we were talking briefly about pretty fish and two of the songs that were cited in that pretty fish segment were uh, fast enough for you and divided sky. And we got both of them back to back last night. So how great is that? <laughs> I think overall, this first set, it 
It's interesting because I agree with what you said at the outset here, Henry. Like, I don't think that this will be regarded as one of the best sets of the tour in any sort of way. I don't think I'll listen to this set in full, but like, as we're talking through it, it just, it feels like it flowed in a really, um, kind of intentional way. Like, I don't think that they ever come out on stage and say, Hey, we're going to play slow so that we have more energy at the end of the night. Like they just go with the flow of how they're feeling. But it totally. does unintentionally put them in a position that by the end of the set, they're, you know, they, they, they've made their way through the first stanza and they haven't burned a ton of energy, but they've played some really meaningful music and you have meaningful lyrics and evening song. You have a song like Vultures that kind of, it works to like get the kinks out. Like, is the band on? Okay, cool. We can play Vultures. Are we not on? We can't play a song like Vultures. And that's going to like show up later. And it sounded really tight to my ears. Yeah, I was going to say uh, that Vultures was, uh, it was well played, hung together nicely. And, you know, when it doesn't, ever you notice. Um, (laughs) And I think it really does affect what comes after. But I think they found it was going really well. Fishman was on fire. And I think that's when Trey was like, oh, you know, Fish is having a good night. He's, he's had a whole lot of good nights, uh, but that's when Fish uh, Trey dialed into it. And that's why we got the My Sweet One and Undermine and all of that stuff was drummer focused, I think, in Trey's mind. And then it allows the band to like confidently speed things up, which you get in that ghost where like they, they just like take it into hyperdrive. I I think I texted you, Jonathan, it was heroic at times. It was just like yeah. a peak and then another peak and then another peak. And it was such a great way to end the set. And by that point, they're walking off stage feeling really strong. Um, anyone have any last thoughts about set one before we move on? I would just say that like being, you know, being that like <clears throat> I'd seen like four or five shows, whatever, like prior to this, like, this to me at the end of this set i was convinced like all right this tonight is page's night like he he like mm. the last four or five nights like especially in banger i really felt like it was mike trey and fish just like going to town like the, it was almost like a three piece and like page was ob- you know, obviously pulling his weight but it was he was still in the background this night it was like man he was just in flourishes and it was beautiful like and then that you know that that really kind of hit the peak for me when he came out with horse and that was out, you know, encore later. But yeah, at this point I was like, okay, Paige, thank you, Paige. <laughs> it's funny. Cause like, you know, I think it's so much about Paige's tones and his synth sounds last summer as being so revolutionary in terms of the way that the band's jamming sounded. And I've said this before, like I, f- I feel as though Mike was a little bit lower in the mix or he wasn't as like out in, s- in front and center last year this year, I, I kind of get what you're saying. Like, oh, yeah. Paige's sounds are, are slightly expected in jams. And so yeah. when he moves to the synths, it doesn't really surprise you as much anymore. Whereas Mike feels much more colorful and, and, and out front. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good problem to have when one person hears, I think this is Fish's show, and someone else hears, I think this is Paige's show. I think that that's a sign that, like, it's everyone like this. This was a, ba- a, a whole band on, on, on par um, and, and like front and center tonight. But um, before we jump into the second set, we do need to tell you all really quickly and we do need to see what happened during set break. Our set break segment is sponsored by our friends at Sunset Lake CBD, whose line of smokable hemp products are for the old deadhead or young deadhead or the young fish fan or the old fish fan. It could be anyone in between. 
anyone who's searching for a mellow body high. Smoking CBD has all the benefits of high THC cannabis without the paranoia or the anxious side effects. There are nine different strains from this year's harvest, and there's something for everyone. Hawaiian Haze is awesome for an outdoor show. Cherry Abacus is best for the end of the night. And all the flowers grown, cured, trimmed by Sunset Lake CBD farmers. Even better, Sunset Lake CBD's farm-to-table approach gets you great pricing on premium CBD flour by shipping directly from their farm to your door. We encourage you to check them out at sunsetlakecbd.com. Use the code on your screen, or if you're listening, HFPOD, H-F-P-O-D, for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. And with that, Devin, I want to start with you. What is... What is your set break tradition, and what did you do last night during set break? Oh, you know, tradition, get a drink, you know, hit the john. But, like, last night, like I was talking about fellowship earlier, like uh, two of my college roommates. So night one, uh, my, my wonderful college roommate, Taryn, was there. And then night two, last night, my, my other college roommate, Andrew, was there. So it was like, you know, catching up with like old deep friends who I haven't seen in years. Last time I caught Taryn was like a couple of years ago at Sundance and, you know, everyone's been, you know, out of pocket for this, this God awful pandemic. And it was just this real wonderful moment to reminisce, catch up, reconnect, talk to his wife. I wasn't able to get to the wedding, that kind of stuff, you know? So it was, it was just, you know, great to be with some deep friends and, hang out and, you know, get geared up for what became a wonderful second set. I love that. The catch up during set break is always such an incredible thing where you see the person you haven't seen in a while and you've got this like 40 minute block of time. You're, you're on a high after a first set, you don't have anywhere to go and you just hang out and, and chill with them. That's awesome stuff. How about you, Henry? What is your set break routine? what did you do last night? Well, I spent uh, three decades since 92 working the environmental tables at fish shows. So I've been trained at the last note or three notes before the last note to race, get out of the crowd before it finally collapses, like Moses going through the Red Sea with the Egyptians following, and get to the water wheel table and sit down or stand up on the edge and start talking to people about environmental issues and what we can do to save the planet. And I focus on like world system solutions now, but... And that's what I did night one, and it felt really good. Um, they didn't have the busiest location. I think they just wanted to have a good time because we were all feeling the vibes of the location, and they were right by the creek. So whoever picked the table, I think, had more of a holy vibe about Bethel than, like, let's maximize as many eyes as we can see, which there's certain places like Red Rocks, you just want to do that, and it had that kind totally. of feeling. But tonight or on last night, what I did is since I knew security was putting me in charge, which is never a good idea just for future venues. If any of you are watching it, I mean, I totally know what I'm doing. I'm sure they um, are. And it totally, it totally worked out great. But, um, I kind of told like the people that I think are like some of the greater dancers in our community, the more groovers that need a little bit more space. I'm not a great dancer, but I do need a lot of space. Like you were talking about earlier, let the dancers dance. I'm a pit person. I'm a dancer person. So I couldn't agree with you more. Like we're there to groove. And I I haven't been in chairs since I can remember, to be honest. Um, Maybe Madison Square Garden one night, like in 2012 or something. But I haven't, you know, so I have my own like weird situation with how I see shows. But we just kind of like took over that aisle and we went to the rail, like in between the seats in the aisle to Mike zone. And we were just like so ready to blast off. (laughs) <laughs> and then so the cra- so the crazy thing is Stephen Koshlin 
fictional character, one of the original like OG people. Um, he's just saw 730 shows. A lot of people had seen the picture I posted of the cake they brought for him uh, at the man a couple nights before. And then he even told me the story that he had a, like a Pollock because this was a Pollock show. So the energy is even higher when you get a Pollock print. And it's the 25th year anniversary pretty much from the great win that monster monster 25 years ago. And he put little like yeah. hidden things into the poster to mark oh. up with it. So like all the poster people are going crazy to me too. in that whole subsection. And poster then he had it. Sorry. Poster nut bags. Poster nut bags. Yeah. Yeah. And I started, he started going into the show and he thought they were going to stop him with the poster. And then security said, Oh, I saw your cake. Come on. <laughs> so, so like that picture I put up, help the OG. And then all of a sudden, he was there at the rail with us right before it started. I had never seen him on the rail. Just like Pollock, wow. the first time he ever went on the rail was Deer Creek 16 intermission. He asked me to like text Paige. I'm like, I don't have Paige's number. You're his best friend. You know, you went to college with me. You text him. Why don't you just come down on the rail with me? And I brought him down to the rail that night and he's never left. And wow. then Koshlin now, he Koshlin came down to the rail. And I'm like, pushed him right up there. And then the <laughs> set started. So I'm like, there were so many synchronicities going on with this night and this show and these people and this energies. And I was connected on so many levels and multitasking through security and like with fans and the music that I was just so primed and ready to go. And my friend, Jesse Lauer was there too. And he had made a post the night before he's been waiting 27 years to dance with me. And he got to do it. He's like a famous DJ in our scene who does like movies. Um, with a lot of bands in the musical scene. If I could give a shout to him, one of the nicest people I've ever met. And he was yeah. there with me too. And yeah. And then the set started with Prince Caspian. If I could bring it back, the monster one is Magnaball. But before that, totally. the monster one was the great went when I brought my wife yep. to the side of the stage. My last <laughs> night working for Greenpeace, we closed on Greenpeace at Fish, brought her to the side of the stage, second level. She started spinning the Caspian. Of course, I moved to California and marry her like right after that. And then... Uh, <laughs> And so, so everything was just going. I mean, the Caspian was just like, we're off. It's Bethel. It's Woodstock. They're not giving us water. They're not going to stop us from proving that Woodstock energy was there. And, and, and off we go. So please. Continue. Oh, perfect. You guys set this up perfectly. This sounds like the best kind of set break where you're just, you're there, you're in your spot, the right people show up, you're, you're making reunions, you're, you're hanging out with people, furthering friendships, furthering relationships. And they come back on stage, and yes, they open up with Caspian. First time it's ever opened a second set, which was really cool. It's opened a couple shows before, but never opened a second set. That goes into Cross-Eyed, which goes into Miss You, which goes into Set Your Soul Free, which we will get into this, the controversy around did they go back into Cross-Eyed or did they stay Is in Set though? Your Soul Free? I don't there's know. I don't think it, there's, there's, there's different opinions. We'll get to that here. Um, doesn't, they go, doesn't Scott Marks make the final decision or is it you guys? How does it work? Scott Marks, I, to me, makes Marks makes the final decision. decision. Um, I'm because looking the at the sheet, fish. He sent me. It's not, it's not on his There's sheet. no cross me. There's, there's no going there's back no into it. And I heard it. So if you guys need me to talk to him and like muscle him, let me know. <laughs> oh, we've tried that. We, <laughs> we, oh, we had him he on. Wants a, yeah. He wants a good we, spot up front. So I got the leverage. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Yeah, we so they go set yourself free uh, into Caspian. I'm I'm going to show my hand here. Set yourself free into Caspian, into Twist, into Carini, and then the encore, horse silent, fuck your face, Buffalo Bill, fire with a full Star Spangled Banner back into fire. I mean, just an incredible 
I just read like 12 songs there between the second song and the encore. Insane. So I don't know how to, I don't want to go song by song, but I do want to just like get a sense of you guys. Like this second set to me, this is my favorite second set of the tour so far, all from afar. Um, it has that energy and that vibe that I look for in any sort of fish show that like, I really go back and listen to where I have no idea what's coming next. I don't know why they're choosing the song to play next, but it's right. It's that like, that's the right selection. Even if like in my own, like dedicated fan listening head, I wouldn't call that next song or I wouldn't have chosen it myself. It all fits. It all flows. There's new sounds. There's new ideas. There's things that happen that like, I feel like I've never heard before at a fish show, but then also like speak to the nature of what it means to listen to this band. Um, Henry, tell me what was your big highlight from set two and kind of what was your thought of the overall set? So obviously it's hard to pick one highlight. I'm a moments guy. Um, more so than a set or a show. Yeah. And, um, so my favorite song of 3.0 is cross-eyed, uh, the cross-eyed San Francisco, eight, 19, uh, 12, that the band did during yeah. the dinner of the movie that got me back into fish. Um, you know, cross-eyed, my favorite moment um in fish possibly is the opening second set 96 omni being up there and they go into talking heads definitely my favorite halloween maybe my favorite not opening of a show opening of a set but oh maybe my favorite moment of song of energy i mean there's certain times so i don't know why but cross is my favorite song of 13 i think i like uh 3.0 i think i like how they go in and out of things i like what they in san francisco so of course i push cautional out of the way and i go to the rail for that he gets caspi and i get cross-eyed because i'm ready to blast off um, it wasn't my all-time favorite cross-eyed. It was yeah. still like incredible. They did a super, super great job with it. And like going back and forth is definitely like my groove in the scene. So, you know, I'm always going to give like a lot of props to cross-eyed set your soul free. And along with like five or six other songs and in, in late 3.0, 4.0 are my, why I go to fish shows now. Um, they jam these things. You don't know where the jam's going to go. A lot of them are more classic in the new songs than you do. But last night, I don't know what they were doing. Like they were just right. jamming and doing things and you had no idea. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And it was just so out there and it was so new. They're like, is this like a new era? Are they coming up with a new sound? Cause sometimes Trey just does that. And like, you don't know when that new era, that new sound's going to happen. And last night you felt it was new. And to see a band 39 years into their start that can keep on coming up with new sounds I mean, have we ever seen anything like that? That is such a good point. <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. Uh, th- and yeah, I mean, that is something we've talked a lot about here through the first 20-something shows of 2022, where we had Mexico, MSG, The Spring Run, and now this, where we were constantly going back and forth of like, a lot of these jams sound like the jamming from 2021, which doesn't seem like a bad thing. It just, they they haven't found a new sound. I felt like last night during that set your soul free that there were, they were taking risks, which could have all completely failed. Like there could have been moments like five or six times during that set your soul free where they just couldn't connect and then they fall apart and they just go into the next song and the jam isn't, you know, whatever it became. And every single one of them, every turn, every risk felt like it paid off and it felt like they were all kind of on the same page. And that, that felt really exciting. Devin, what about you? What were, what was your big highlight of the set and what kind of, what were your thoughts overall on it? So the cross eyed, you know, I was just, it reminded me back because I was there in 2011. So like 
in 2011, they played this song. And if I'm not mistaken, that's when Trey kept throwing around, oh, Paige's house. They all were there, right? So, like, and it was funny because, it, it, like, that immediately brought me back to, like, that venue then. Like, none of, like, none of the, like, pavilions were there. None of the pavers were there. Like, all that infrastructure at the top, like, didn't even exist. It was just that, that shed. So, like, it was just so funny, like, hearing that song, thinking about, like, how Ten years much later, the venue yeah. was progressed. But then jumping ahead, when they hit Soul Free, I love that song. Alpharetta last year go back and listen to that soul free it is so good it rips fishman is doing this like layer double beat where he's like rocking off the the bell on the ride and it's just, it's just crazy so like that that set your soul free from from alpharetta really set the bar for me that this one got close but it didn't hit it i'm gonna be insurgent my highlight here for this set is miss you so I, I think it's the best version of Miss You I've ever heard. D definitely the best uh, version I've seen live. And then just to take it personally real quick. So my dad called me up night one at the man. And he said, De De Devin, today, today has been 25 years. Today's the anniversary. Today's the day your grandfather died 25 years ago. Wow. Francis Rogerino. And you know, whenever you hit, you know, when you get that song, I don't know who you are. I mean, whoever you are, you're, you're, you're thinking back on, you know, those people you've lost the, you know, the, the loved ones along the way that are no longer here with us. It, it, that song is a meditation, a connection with those people. And yeah. it just, it, it brought me back there. It connected me with my grandfather and uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone in that experience. Um, no. So that I think Trey's guitar playing at the end of it is just superb well-crafted uh to me that's my highlight okay, and the, the thing i love about like what he does is like you can't get the peaks of like the carini or the twist if you don't go down first mm, you know, yeah. he brings you down yeah. he, br he brings you into that low gear reconnects you chills it out and then bam you know so i think um yeah for yeah, me it's this is my highlight yeah, there was a lot of interesting things everyone said, and I, I just want to give a shout out. I don't usually fluff too much. I mean, obviously, I fluff fish, but I'm not afraid to say, like, it wasn't a great time. Uh, certain nights or certain songs or certain shows, but you guys are on fire on the show. I mean, I, I don't see the band like you guys do, and I really appreciate how you guys, like, understand all the things that are going on clinically right. and how you guys explain it and, like, it's awesome. Thanks, I mean, man. it's like, I, I really appreciate it, and it, it gives me a whole new perspective on everything, and it, like, kind of, like, completes my show experience now so i'm kind of getting addicted to this so thanks again for having me on the show i'd love to <laughs> i'd love to do it again because you guys are on fire and it feels so good and <laughs> right i mean what i would say is set your soul three free is kind of like an an anthem to like the new school fans 3.0 like activism and i don't know yeah. if trey's trying to do that kind of stuff i've asked people back there they go no no trey's the same it's you know it's not all love and light and all meditation he's still the same guy and we've talked about them previous show he's just, he's just He's still competitive and wants to throw down. But on some level, <laughs> I, I, I feel like he is like, we believe it. You know, we, I'm loving life. I mean, I'm West coast, California progressive. And when you hear yeah. like set your soul free in those lyrics, I mean, that's what we do on a daily basis. And it, it motivates us. And, you know, he's just like this figure to us, not like godlike or anything, but just, you know, we all know what it is, like who he is and how it affects us and why we spend all of our time, money and energy following this guy around and, I'm so psyched he did that. And my, my last thought on the set was Twist, which is a song I twist, I spin. 
I didn't spin at all. That's the first time I haven't spun on a twist. Someone else told me they were crying. What did you guys see going on that the twist was so different? I felt... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, if, I feel like the crowd was a little lethargic. Like the woos were half-hearted. They weren't there. Guys, step up step up your woos. Come on. Get in here. <laughs> this may be the only it's time you hear that on the show. You know what I mean? If you're going to go <laughs> yeah. for it, go for it. Don't go halfway here. Either either get in or get out. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. That might have been a lot. That might have been a lawn perspective because down low, it was the classic fifty percent on, fifty percent off. Yeah. You know, you know, it was like yeah, like egging no. on the woo. Half the people liked it, half the people didn't. But people were wooing. But the twist, it was just like everyone told me it was different from Scott Marks to my friends that were crying to me not spinning. Something was going on. So, what did you guys see technically? Jonathan, go ahead with that. Well, uh, so I'll start with the twist. I mean, the twist had kind of the um, twist had show closer energy. Honestly, it it had something akin to what the ghost had closing the first set. It uh, I thought it was a, a little early. I was like, how they're they're peaking this really hard. It's not quite time, is it? Uh, and and they just they went big and major chord and positive feeling they didn't go into the like uh you know maybe this is a little santana-ish grooves they didn't he didn't bring it down all quiet and plinko-y any of those kinds of things that we often see it got big peaks and they could have closed a set with it like it would have sounded right no matter what the clock says uh but just enough time to give us that little punch of carini i thought which is cool but i want to go back and take this chance to talk about my highlight um but before i do that i think that both of these sets really they opened kind of the same way right you've got a a chill energy to start uh caspian also has the you know i had a good laugh thinking about the people who were like oh fucking caspian and you know just turning off the you know, the free stream at their house or whatever, and, and how wrong they were, because A, Caspian's a good song, and B, this Caspian had a jam in it, uh, and and then they kept, like, laying on highlights for me. Cross-Eyed is a good jam. Mm. Um, last night on Wook Plus, we, you know, one of the persons on the show was not psyched that they played Miss You, and to me, it felt like the cross-eyed jam had, at that time, run its course. They, It kind of came down and melted down into nothing. And Che was like, all right, we're going to play a song. Because if the jam runs its course, you don't want them to just be like, okay, new jam. I mean, are we just going to put a comma and then jam? Like, that's not, that's not what they do. It's not what we want to do. So he played Miss you, kept that low, uh, low is not the right word, just kept the energy, you know, it was da- there. And then built it with a great peak, nice version of the song. And then Set Your Soul Free was fucking amazing. Like, that song, it's a springboard, right? And it goes any direction that they are feeling for the night. And this time it went deep, dark, but high energy dark. Mike going right into his synths along with everybody else. Uh, it really did feel like, you know, robots, you know, shuffling around in my brain while I listened to that. And it was, it, that's my highlight 
it it's, was it, outstanding. It's, the cross-eyed so, hints, jams so were cool. so cool, and uh, but they just kept going and shaping this twenty-one-minute monster. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, it's so cool you say that because that's why I go on tour. I mean, how you just described it. You know, yeah, set yeah. yourself free. The new song that he's most excited about. He's always most excited. I mean, I did the riff tour, right? Every other night they played half the album, the next night half the album. Everyone's complaining right. about it. It's like you don't know this band if that's why you're going to come here and complain. <laughs> They're into it. What do you, well, I don't listen. I don't listen to people complaining. So it's always funny when I hear you guys complaining about you know they're playing Caspian or like set your soul free isn't like one of their all time greatest jams right now. And if you're not going to show to see them play that, you're missing out and you're not happy. Right. So it's so cool to hear you explain it like that because that is exactly why I'm here. Well, and it's right interesting because I think, you know, to this, to, to the points you guys are making, like two things, two thoughts I have. Number one, Miss You, one of my favorite new-ish songs from the band. And I'm right there with you, Devin. Like that is a song that I think the accusation around that song is it's too direct in terms of what it's too on the nose about the sentiment and the title is too on the nose. But to me, that's the point. Like grief and losing someone isn't really supposed to be nuanced it's like in your face and it's intense and it's there like constantly and even when you leave it even when you get you know five ten twenty thirty years beyond that like it's still there when you when you feel it so like those lyrics to me speak to me in like the most honest of ways possible and i think it's really interesting when you think about joy was played in a very similar spot the night before and joy to me always feels like he had to write that to be able to write Miss You. Like Joy is, oh, yeah. that is his experience of Very losing good. his sister. And five, six years later, he writes Miss You about the experience of what it's like to like still have that shadow yeah. five, six years later. Shadow and then sad. also yeah, yeah. the shadow sadness. Yeah. Like, and then also you get the encore on night one of a life beyond the dream, which he writes about his best friend that he loses. Like there's these yeah. three moments that kind of tie these shows Very together good. in ballads, which you go back 20 years in fish history. That's not happening. Like right. ballads yeah. are not going to be like these like linear points that like actually connect these shows together. It's it, it, it hit me and it made the then transition into set your soul free, which it feels so aggressive in terms of what, like, like you talk about like California progressive and you talk about this idea of like love and light set your soul free is not taking any prisoners. It's like, you better, you better fucking set your soul free and accept this, or you're not going to see what we're seeing. And you're not going to get what we're talking about. Like there's no nuance to that song either. Burn it and down. That song, and there's no, burn there's it down. no toxic positivity either. I mean, that's exactly right. what it is. He is right. cutting edge and that's where we are right now. And like Santos was like the rock anthem of the band or the fish nation, like three, four years ago. Now this becomes like the new, like, fish rock nation and he's just i don't know how he can like just be so with the times and so on it and like crosby stills and nash would do that with ohio and like dylan did it with turning like was it uh 50 years ago now or 60 years ago 60 years ago with turning newport folk which is happening right now turning that electric people weren't there they actually went to newport folk i'm like what are you doing but it's like dylan made that electric and blew it he is doing it today and i'll go back to what i said like what other band, all the same people, 39, 40 years later, are still able to do this and be cutting edge and get us like still 30 years feeling that we have to come and we can't miss it and the FOMO's there. I mean, yeah. it's as hot as they ever been. And if you saw Miss You 
with uh, Bob Weir in that Nashville oh, show God, in 16. Oh, I mean, I, I was I there like – Not to mention it. Yeah, I was second row. I mean, it was just like right in front of Bob. And it was like the emotion, Trey's emotion. I was friends with his sister. We raised money for Haw River Assembly, the nonprofit organization she believed in in North Carolina. I mean, that energy is there. I mean, I yeah. see Trey's face. I look at his family sometimes. It's real. I mean, all this stuff is real. Those ballads, like, it went from dad rock to wherever we are right now. I can't even describe it. And they'll talk yeah. about it. You guys will in five years where we are now with the new sound. And yeah. we're just living through it. And we try to enjoy every moment. I, w- well, I want this... to shout out this comment from Russ Tab. Uh and this is something that I, I, I said last night also, sort of. So he says, uh, miss you, mid-set breather is much more acceptable when there's an improv-heavy fourth quarter during most of 3.0. Would have signaled the end of jamming for the night. And I, I, I totally true. They were years where coming to the ballad slot, late in set, second set, you know, and then you just got a couple closing roll, songs yeah. and stuff. And, uh, and so what I said last night was that um, I could – Get the possible disappointment of landing in a ballad kind of that early in the second set. Of course, I love the ballad. Didn't disappoint me, but I get that. But looking back at this, oh, the rest of this, the whole set, you know, after the fact, how could you complain? How could you even begin to complain? Well, you guys are so like, I'm so glad you guys will take the energy on in our scene and that you guys will listen. You guys will talk to the people that are unhappy and that I've been in this 30 year bubble. I really appreciate it because I have no time for it. And I remember when the band, like the internet first started, like they yeah. weren't into the internet. They're like, I don't want to hear any of this stuff. We're, no, we're they, ripping they it. still like, don't. W- w- yeah, what, yeah. What don't you guys get? It's like, come or leave it or take it. It's like, we're going off. Yeah. And the people at the shows that are the most happy, we're not paying attention. You know, right. we're just, we're, we're there because we love it. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, if you look at the second set, it kind of works to me in the same way that the first set did on the first night in Bethel, where if you looked at this on paper and you hadn't heard a note, you'd be like, what happened last night? And then you listen to it and the flow from Caspian into Crossside, the fade out from Crossside into Miss You, everything we've talked about, about the emotional weight of that song, that going into Set Your Soul Free, that goes into this like, the only word I could come up with after that jam was demented. Like there, there were moments in there. I felt like they could go into like a Simpsons quote. It was just like this bubbly, weird, psychedelic merry-go-round type of music. It felt evil. It felt terrifying. I felt like something was, bad um, was about to happen, but it was also like the best music ever. Some like twisted tears of a clown type. That's Kevin Hogan spotted yeah. that, but. Tears of the Clown sort of melodies from yes. Trey over these weird synths. Oh, but then you call cool. back to Crossside, you call back to Caspian, you go into this twist that, to your point, Henry, it has this like peaking jam Sped to up. it that feels yeah. very, very different. And then, you know, my friend, one of my buddies who was at the show, t- shout out to Dave Goldstein, they start with Karini, and all he could just say was just, whoa. Like right now, like of all places. Um, yeah, I look at that set list. That's what I'm looking for. I mean, that is like right. the perfect 4.0 set list. Like that's the takeoff yeah. second set. And like, again, I say you look back five years, that's the set list you're looking for. Yeah. Well, we should talk here quickly about the encore. Cause the last part that we have this show, usually they come out, they'll do like a Rocky top rock and roll or something or sleeping monkey. <laughs> you know, they come out, they do horse sun in the morning. Okay, cool. This is great. Great breather. Very sentimental. First horse since uh, 3.0. First horse in first yeah, horse of 4.0. Early 2020. Yeah. Uh, then we get fuck your face. 
always a fun rarity to get at that point in time. And this is the first fuck your face since 1026, 2021 at Santa Barbara. That goes into Buffalo Bill, first Buffalo Bill since Alpine 2019, 77 shows ago, which goes another, into fire. Another shout out to yesterday's guest, uh, Jen Moore, who called for Buffalo Bill, and she got she it. She wanted Buffalo Bill. So good she for got it. And that and goes into else. the first fire since 11-29-2019, Dunkin' Donuts Center uh, in Providence, Rhode Island, which then goes into Star Spangled Banner, which is our first – well, I'm pulling up the tease page here right now. I don't know the last time that they played Star Spangled Banner. It had to be whatever the last 4th of July show was, right? But, like, that was played acapella. That, that wasn't acapella. played over the – yeah. But this so was this different. Was like, this was special. This was for Jimmy. This is for this Woodstock. Was Trey playing Hendrix within Hendrix at Woodstock, and then it goes classic back Trey in the dude fire. just trying to take the just, torch from himself. Yeah, take it from <laughs> Hendrix. Yeah, Hendrix grabbing torches. Classic Trey, exactly. <laughs> He's got to Tell bank me. all the torches because so he can hand them out later. <laughs> right, <laughs> Devin. This was a really special, really cool encore. What was what was your big moment for this? What were your thoughts on the encore? Man, Buffalo Bill, man, it was so fun. I love it when they do a fun song like Super Monkey. But like, yeah. I, last time I feel like I saw Buffalo Bill was like in Chicago somewhere, 2011, 12, 13. I can't remember. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, the UIC shows. I think. Yeah, yeah the UIC. I caught that one, and that, I mean, it's just a hilarious song. So that was great. Fuck your face is rocking. And then fire, man. He just ripped it. I have to admit, I didn't even catch the Star Spangled Banner until I was like re-listening this morning. I was like, oh man, like I, I like just slipped right by me. Yeah. Uh, because I guess it was in a different key or something like that. But I mean, it just it was like overall they, they were all playing fire, and Trey was just ripping it over <laughs> that. But I mean, it was just right, so apropos with Woodstock, and you know, just a great ender to a great night. I mean, the one thing I also wanted to throw in somewhere, I don't know, tweet at me if you could find it, but I'm pretty sure I heard a chest fever tease somewhere. It could be, it could be just a coincidence. It could be just a handful of notes, but like I heard it during the show and I was driving this morning, re-listening on the way back to Jersey and I heard it again and I can't I remember that. if it was the first set or the second set. It's somewhere in there. If you find it. Please tag me. But anyway, yeah, I mean, this <laughs> for me, the highlight here is Buffalo Bill because that was fun. I haven't seen Buffalo great? Bill this century. Like, come <laughs> on. <laughs> there's a great, just uh, on the chest fever note, there's a Carini from Alpharetta 2018. I think it's August 3rd. They play Carini in the second set, and it's got a legit chest fever jam. I cannot recommend it enough. It's 20 minutes, and it's just, it's unbelievable. Um, did they play Ophelia? I just checked my st- the walkout music? Uh, PA walkout music, music was Ophelia because you got the band right down the road uh, making Big Pink. Um, I just checked my stats. I've seen three Buffalo Bills, which seems oh, nice. like I'm, I'm kind of cheating the system a little bit. That's why I haven't gotten an Albuquerque yet. But yeah, that was kind of the moment. Um, Fuck Your Face happened and then Buffalo Bill happened and my wife and I were watching the show and she just started laughing from the couch. And it was the sentiment I felt like a lot of people probably had in the venue of just like, of course, why not? Why don't you just play Buffalo Bill? Like, this is amazing. Uh, Henry, what was your big highlight of the encore? I mean, we definitely felt like they weren't going to stop playing for a while. We definitely felt. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't like talk for other people because I like I project sometimes. 
Um, just so people out there know, I don't do drugs or alcohol. I'm totally sober. I haven't done anything in, since 1.0. So like everything I'm saying is just from this completely sober guy that is there because he loves the music and everything is my own you know experience on just the natural high of why I love being here. But yeah, it didn't seem like they were going to stop at no point. You know, usually they do the one song. I'm like, okay, here's the second song encore uh, to finish it. But obviously the second song wasn't an ender. So you kind of felt like it was just going to keep on going and keep on going until they get to that point where, you know, for me from the early days, fire was one of those songs, which would obviously end a monster small show. And I've been, you know, it's not as popular anymore. So I, I I ask at times, Oh, you know, when are they going to bust that out again? Cause it's always one of the more rocking ones. And we're trying to kind of guess a little bit, not think about it too much for Woodstock, what they would do. So of course he's on his a game again, makes all the right decisions. Everything's exactly, we follow Trey, you know, bow down, whatever you do. I don't question. I'm there for him to just go out and do what he does. And I'm super happy. I don't question when Jordan passes the ball versus shot. I don't, question you know trey's song selection i'm here for him and his whims and if he wants to play acoustic the whole show you know that's why we're there and fire was exactly what i needed it was the highlight for me i'm here for rock and roll i'm a rock and roll guy i'm a jammer guy i want to get my ass kicked i want to get knocked down (laughs) that was the one of the two shows it's a monster second set i gotta think more about it as like historically where it's going to end up but uh that's that's how you want to end a Woodstock Bethel monster two night run and fire for me was it. That's it, man. That's it. Yeah, I think I spent most of Buffalo Bill laughing on the sofa next to my wife, <laughs> who was I think baffled because she's not a you know a deep fan. She likes fish, but she doesn't know the. <laughs> and she didn't know the song either. She's like, I don't think I know this song. I was like, Oh, honey, you saw it with me at Hampton in '99, and, and she, uh, you know, she's like, Oh, okay. But I, I it was just a what a fun encore. Like, Horse Silent was good. Let's just point that that out and try absolutely to play horse. Yeah. Very well played, good. like everything. Really nice. He just singing the only the only thing we didn't talk about too was like. You said a little bit earlier how Trey was like teasing Fishman and laughing and how he like danced the night before and like he felt he fell over the microphone. I have never seen him do that before. Someone sent me a clip and I'm kind of like too embarrassed to post it. Yeah, like he fell into it. Like I've never seen him. I mean, it was close to the feeling when he got stuck up in New York. Like no one was terrified, but it's like the closest I've kind of seen like to. Is Trey getting older? Is he losing a step? He's getting stuck on roofs. <laughs> yeah, he was just and he's like dancing over, like, like any of us. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it, it was just, and he is just so happy. Like he's geeking more than us. Like why does he geek so hard? Why is he so happy? What is he on? He says he's not, but he sure is so happy. It's like, is, is life that great for him? Is he that like happy? He must be. It's I, unbelievable. I hope so. It's it, it, yeah. just from what I can see, which is, just the surface his band is playing well his friends are are his band and they're playing well there he's having the time of his life up there on stage i don't know what else is going on with trey but he's having a great time up there and it really comes through and i think that it lifts everybody else in the band up and certainly it lifts us up i know the best part of of the last three years in covid was how like reignited he got and the amount of new songs he wrote and how he was forced to go into whatever he does as a musician. And like that that tab tour where people kept on dropping and he had a different band each night. 
Yeah. It was like the NBA finals where Tony <laughs> would go down one night. And then another guy, like you would go on tour. People like you get bored on tab tour. You're not bored on that tour because no. every night it ended up just being acoustic. Students me tray on drums. They're not going to have guitars. It, right. that, that, is, that is the vibe. I mean, he is just so excited. This He smiles and laughs the whole time. He looks around and geeks. Speaking, it's, speaking the great, drums, it's the greatest feeling ever. Like speaking of drums, like Buffalo Bill was when you know Trey made that call out about you know Fishman's drum solos and like, yes. isn't it so funny that like Fishman's like one of the greatest living drummers on the planet and like doesn't do the thing where he like shows off the like here's exactly how good I am guys and like rips a solo for like 15 minutes, which he very much we all know he could. Yeah, but it's, he could. It, it's so funny that it takes Trey to like. Trey's like, please, fish, just just solo for me once. And fish was like, All right. yeah. <laughs> and, and then he lays into the samples for a whole run. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that great. Uh, there's that great. Um, it's Hampton Night One Ninety Seven. I forget what song it's during. I think it might be during Lawn Boy. Rather than uh, passing it to Mike for a bass solo, they pass it to Fish, and he plays the anti drum solo where he just hits a snare. He just does the. Dish. <laughs> he yeah it's it's such a great point because like i think a really good way to summarize this show and this tour so far is you heard it during the down with disease at banger and you heard it throughout last night john fishman will figure out a way in a song that they're kind of thinking this could go somewhere the undermined was a great example last night the set your soul free the cross-eyed where they're he's he's holding down the beat but then he throws these fills in. And to me as a listener, it sounds like he's just saying to the band, like, hey, guys, I've got some ideas here. Let's just see where we go with this. And you, there's a moment in that Down with Disease from Banger where Trey starts playing a riff and Fishman starts throwing out like even more complicated riffs beyond Trey. And it's almost like a competition. You mentioned it, Henry, like, you know, the perception around Trey is he's all love and light right now, but he's still that guy who's like, no, I can like shred your face off. Like, and I'm going to do it right now, you know? And, and there's that sensation between the two of them of like, Oh, you can play that. Okay, cool. I can play this. And that seems to be pushing this band together. So, you know, it, it, it's and this hilarious moment where Trey has to say, you need to play a drum solo because I want to hear a drum solo. But like the reality is the communication with them is this like next level. I'm going to play this. Now you play this. And there's just this back and forth with them right now. That's so infectious to listen to. Yeah. And I, I see it from like the outer inner circle, you know, like mm -hmm. I'm not in their inner circle at all, but I obviously know people over the years and uh, Fishman was nice enough to talk to us about the environmental work we do at World System Solutions for 90 minutes at 10 o'clock at night, the night before man, and totally made time for us. And he was just like, so engaging. And he was so kind. And he said, like, you know, he, he ca still calls me Greenpeace Henry and said, like, 30 years, I never asked him for a favor. And, you know, so I asked him just, can we meet and talk about it? And he was nice enough. And he came, I thought it'd be a 10 minute quick meeting. He stayed for 90 minutes. He's like, yeah, Trey, uh, texted me and I got to learn space odyssey. So we just sat around with uh, Sadie drinking coffee, Sadie yeah. at tea. And uh, we just talked about the environment and the world. And he was really into like sun raw and deep thoughts. And, but he's at the same time, he knows he's working like trace, tell him you better get on this and you better learn <laughs> this thing. And so he, he's on the clock and he's working too. And then last night when Trey was kind of like, I don't know if it's needling him and like making those little jokes and then going over and look at him like, come on, dude, let's pick it up. Let's do this. Let's make it happen. Just like you two were saying, like, that's exactly what's happening from my perspective. 
And like yeah. Trey, I mean, like you said earlier, John's like so talented and like on his own, a rock star, but he's still like his little brother. I mean, I think those two are the closest. Right. Like Trey always says like, you know, little John fish, you know, all the like, maybe not the cleanest person in the room or maybe not always had his clothes on. He's he, he still, he, he still seems like fishing. that. Yeah. He still seems like that guy and he's still like smiling and he didn't have an ego or attitude when Trey was talking about the drums last night. He just looked at him and he just smiled and just this big like grin where like he's got watermelon or just like his first fruit of the summer. Like, let's just go, let's have a good time. And that's why we like fish. They're, they're dorks. They're geeks. They're incredibly talented. They love what they're doing. They're having a great time and they, are so talented that they just blow our minds. And now we're like racing to Hartford. So hopefully this is show's ending soon because I got to get back out there. <laughs> you got to get out and get you back on the road. In this town, if you look out there, it's crazy out here. This is the full uh, ghost if you want nice. if you want to know what there the ghost is. is like. There yeah, it is. Wanna... Well, there's that great – I just want to say one thing. There's that great <laughs> picture that was posted last week from Banger of that Renee posted of – uh, it's Trey and Fishman walking towards the stage from backstage and Trey's got his guitar and Fishman's got the dress on and it just says 39 years. And it's like, it reminds you, like I'm getting chills, like thinking about it because it too, reminds yeah. you that none of this happens without Trey moving into the dorms and hearing drums and being like, I want to play with that guy, whoever the hell he is. And that guy is this like hilarious, insane really kind, really thoughtful, but like also hilarious and insane figure who like has never taken himself too seriously, but has taken his performance and his music so seriously. And that relationship between the two of them is what has driven all of this. Like without that meeting, without that connection, this doesn't happen. And to see their, you know, imagine the best friend you've ever made in your life being up on stage with them and your inside jokes drive 20,000 people that keep coming back night after <laughs> yeah. night to see you. It's a pretty special thing. So, um, wow. Henry, that's, ties to, that's so powerful. I think that ties fish. to the comment fish. that I want to, I want to highlight, uh, what Willie thinks notes. And he's responding to what we were saying earlier about Trey being happy. Well, he notes that he's definitely happy and grateful. And that's the other half of it is the gratitude that Trey exudes. He's living that it's taking care of him and he knows it and he, he gives it out to the, to the universe. And I think, uh, we return it because they're amazing. It's just delightful. Yeah. Great point. Great point. Before we wrap it up, we got to do our wish list. What's on your wish list? What do you want to see tonight? Tonight, tomorrow, what the rest of the tour? What do you what do you uh, it's mean? our first Sunday show, right? Of the tour so far? It's our first Sunday show tour. It's and, and also I was thinking about it this morning. This is the point in the tour where in the spring tour they finish. This is Deer Creek night three. And and so whatever happens after tonight, it's this ongoing creativity. Wish list, I have two things. All right. One very specific please play Albuquerque on night three at Alpine Valley. That's all I'm asking for. Um, number two, a little bit more vague. Whatever happened last night, let's have like two or three more of those shows. Like it doesn't have, I, I don't need the same thing, but that vibe of whatever happened last night, like that, just, just have a couple more of those through tour. Cause that would, that was it for me. That, that is one of my favorite shows. I think that's probably my favorite show they've played since night two in Mexico. And and I think it, it just it really really hit in a in a heavy way, and I would love to hear it again. But Devin, what is your wish list? For years, I've been saying that they should open with like a ripping high intensity devotion to a dream, 
Like I've been, mm. that's just been my, I, I think that song could be an opener on par with punch. It's got what it takes. And all you need to do is just get that BPM up a little bit and it would be a killer opener. Um, and my other point, Oh, during the pandemic, there was a couple like I, we're in the throes of it. You're, you know, you're stuck in your home. You want to, you just, all you want is a show. My God. So, you know, leafing through the catalog, they, they did the, um, um, Frankie says that was the one that I really wanted, but the other one that came to me in the pandemic and I realized was a gem of a song is the connection. The mm. connection is a, it's an underutilized song. It, it's about getting back on track, reconnecting with yourself, staying clean, Henry, you know, being deliberate, keeping that commitment. And it's a great song. They, they should dust off the connection and, and give it, give it a walk. That's just, that's my wish list. I love it. Henry, you got any wish list? Well, you know, I think I'm pretty spoiled and I'm kind of in a unique position in the scene where, you know, like I saw dog log as a sound check like 300 times. So I, I, I just, you know, my, my like part of the scene might be a little different from some, um, you know, like I said earlier in this broadcast, like I just go to see Trey and he can do whatever he wants. First time I ever got to go backstage like Montana, I got a tour pass. I was like 19 years old, like working for the band. And Trey sat like on one side of me at catering and Paige sat on the other side of the catering. And they started like saying what they should play that night. And Trey said Fluffhead and uh, Paige said Fee and they played it the whole tour. And I really just want to say, you got to stop doing these songs. Like I can't hear Fee again. I can't hear Fluffhead again. And it's kind of <laughs> hard to explain that to like these newer kids today, but I kept my mouth shut and I'm still around. So again, it's like, you know, I have a, a unique perspective, but the only thing I ever really wanted to hear was like Dark Star and like a Grateful Dead set. And like my, my favorite, you know, Bay Area show between the um, uh, the Warfield 95 and that show I just mentioned, the Bill Graham 12 was the fill-in friends uh, oh for 15 through 417.99. And they opened like with the Help Slip Frank. Um, I'm a deadhead. Oh like the early, you know, the band obviously was um, influenced by them. Page. Um, and those guys, not as much so maybe, but like, uh, the first people working for them, Brad Sands, who was their tour manager and Chris Carota, those guys came off eighties de dead tour. Uh, Mike Hayes was working the Greenpeace table. He was deadhead. They brought me in who was first a deadhead. 89 was my first show Rosemont. So like the cool people back working for the band on the road, we would tease them and say like the dead's better. And we always wanted to hear the dead. And I know it brings you're back the reason the why they wouldn't play it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I want to hear, dude. I just want like a dark star set with yeah. some like just monster dead tees. I know people don't want to hear that, but that's what I'm looking for. Stella um, Blue. Is, Stella Blue I, would be incredible. That is a wish list. That is a wish I gotta list. I got to follow that. And, and I think that's a really good request. Um, wish. It's a wish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't have a lot. I mean, Brian actually accused me of chasing C and Sand earlier. I'm not chasing it. I would love to see it, but I. I don't request it. I'm not hoping to, expecting to see it. I chase one. Not bringing song. signs. No, I chase one song, Life on Mars. But what I so predictions uh, is really more what I'm going to go with here. I think oh. you're going to play. The, a hood is a strong bet for tonight. Mike's song mm -hmm. is up. Um, I really want the band to take the time and this kind of goes to henry's uh request 
take the time and give us a big, long, beneath the sea of stars. I think I said it yesterday. I'm saying it again today. That's That gets into that space. And, uh, That's a dark and star space. Roll into some dark star sounds, and while we're at it, um, that would be cool. But that's that's where I am, and it, and that song cool. is due, so maybe tonight, maybe tonight. Devin Henry, this was a total pleasure. You guys brought it. If if Fish brought it last night, you guys brought it. They should be watching the show to understand how to keep bringing it because you know they they bring it in a three hour window, but we're bringing it twelve hours later, and we're really going deep. Thank you guys so much. You guys are both welcome back on this show at any point in time. Just hit us up, um, Devin. Recover from your week on tour. I'm sorry that you got work tomorrow, but you know you got a Sunday night show to stream tonight, and um, hopefully more to come and Henry safe travels to Hartford and hope you have a ripping show, man. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me. Love you guys. See you guys here soon. Thank you both. Thank you guys. All right. We did it. That was a recap of a show. That was killer. That was great. Um, we, we will be back tonight. Oh shit. That's tonight. Tonight. We're coming back to do a quick pre-show hang with everyone. Um, 30 minutes before the webcast starts, which I believe the webcast is starting tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern. If, I, I, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out the start time of, uh, of the show. I think it's 7 p.m. Eastern, and then they're going to come on stage around 7.30, which means we're going to go live at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Um, we'll have that all posted. We'll go live. Just check in. You'll see it on Twitter as we get ready for the show to begin, but we're just going to do a quick hang, check in with each other and make sure that everyone is feeling good, doing good before the show begins. And then we'll be back again tomorrow at the same time as today, 1 PM Eastern to recap, uh, Hartford, Hartford's show, Hartford's sole show of the tour, the first night there since uh, 2016. And tomorrow we've got Marco Aguizzi and Derek Hartley on the show. So we'll be recapping uh, Hartford with them, talking through whatever happens tonight. I have no idea. You have no idea. Trey hasn't sent us the set list yet, so we're we're still in the dark. But maybe... (laughs) Maybe, just maybe, we'll be gushing the way that we are today. And if not, we'll still have plenty of interesting stuff to talk about. So everybody have a great Sunday. We'll see you a little bit later as we get ready for our pre-show hang. And then uh, we'll be enjoying some fish. Take care, guys. See you later.
Osiris. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, this is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born, to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song.